in the blink of an eye, something terrible can happen to you. What were the events that led you to this life-altering moment? What were the harrowing details? What was the physical and emotional aftermath? And how did it change you? This is Cataclysmic Moments, the podcast that explores the dire events that change us forever. Welcome to Cataclysmic Moments. On this episode, I'm about to get really personal and tell you about an incident that nearly killed me. This is a true story, to the best of my recollection, about a car accident that absolutely turned my life upside down. It's something I will never forget, emotionally and physically. The scars are still there. To start, we have to go back in time. I was in my 20s. I was working as a freelance video editor on an investigative television show. A producer and I would put together a feature story every week that would air on Sunday. It was a Friday night. Time to digitize all of the raw footage into my editing system. We would sometimes have hours and hours of footage that would need to be cut down into a seven-minute piece. I met my producer, Andy. He was a tall, menacing guy. He kind of looked like a serial killer, but he was actually very nice, with a dark sense of humor. He had a big box of videotapes with him. Andy asked, ready to make the sausage again? He was referring to how we would grind out these pieces every week like a sausage factory. Sure, we love the work. We love telling stories and trying to make a difference in the world. But deadlines were tight, and the sausage factory was going to have to go into pulverizing mode to get this piece done in time for Sunday's broadcast. Honestly, I can't remember what the piece was about. And honestly, it doesn't matter considering what was to come. Andy was exhausted. He just got off a plane from a long shoot with a reporter and a camera crew a few hours earlier. He gave me the box of tapes and left. I worked late into the night digitizing all of the raw footage into my computer, then went home. Tomorrow was going to be a long day, time to rest, the calm before the storm. Saturday morning arrived the day before our story was to air. I drove to the office. To my surprise, another editor was using the edit suite. He apologized for the delay and said that he was finishing up a demo reel for a friend. I told him not to worry about it, but I knew that each moment he spent in that room, my edit would be delayed and our ending time would be pushed later and later into the night. He also offered me some beer that he had in the fridge. It wasn't there the night before. Maybe his friend gave it to him for working on the demo. I wasn't sure. I declined, of course. It was 9 a.m. in the morning. Not exactly Miller time. 
Eventually, he finished his project and gave me back the edit suite. My understanding producer, Andy, and I continued working on our piece throughout the day. As anticipated, it was a grind. We finished our piece around 3 a.m., the wee hours of Sunday morning. The piece would air six hours later. I wish I could say these hours were rare for me, but they were not. The television industry can be pretty brutal at times. Andy and I went our separate ways. I turned on the alarm and locked up the building. Little did I know, soon, my life was about to change forever. The parking lot was empty, just my car, a Honda Civic that was in mint condition. It was the first brand new car I had ever purchased. I started the engine. Music began playing. It was Bruce Springsteen's Nebraska album. Up until this point, I wasn't a huge Bruce fan. It was my mom's music, but it grew on me. This album was special. The song topics were dark. Songs about outcasts, family relationships gone bad, and criminals. It was just Bruce and his guitar, no band. I believe he originally recorded these songs as demos that he would later re-record with his band, but instead, he just released them in their raw form. It was a very intimate album. It was very haunting. I drove out of the parking lot with the music playing loud. It felt good to have another television piece under my belt. My career was going great. I was no longer trying to prove myself. I was getting respect for my work and a lot of people were watching. Life was good, I thought. Then my memory goes blank. Did my mind block what happens next to protect me? I don't know. But I've read the police report and I saw the pictures of my car, so I can piece together what happened pretty accurately. I was driving on a road with two lanes on each side, about five minutes away from the office I had just left. A vehicle heading in the opposite direction violently collided with my car. Although the speed limit was 35, the impact to my vehicle suggests that one or both of the drivers were going much faster. After striking each other, the vehicles spun around until they came to a screeching halt. My left front tire was flat, smashed in and bent on its side. The front of my car was severely pushed forward and warped like a crushed tin can. My driver's side door was mutilated. My windshield was shattered. Debris was scattered everywhere, in my car and on the ground. Trust me, if you saw the pictures of my car, you would be amazed that I survived this wreck. It was shocking. I was shocked. But remember, these are just things that I read about later in a police report and saw in pictures. Here's the first thing after leaving the parking lot at work that I actually remember. This must have happened shortly after impact. 
I could barely catch my breath. The wind was knocked out of me, like a building had just landed on my chest. I didn't know where I was. Then I realized I was in my car. The music was no longer playing. I could barely see. I was surrounded by darkness. The airbag may have helped save my life, but perhaps it hindered my vision when it struck my face. I'm not sure. I'm a person that overthinks everything, but right then and there, I was truly living in the moment. Or was I dying? I felt a sense of urgency. I needed to get out of my car. I remember pushing the door open with great difficulty. Or did I push myself through the window? I'm not 100% sure, but when I hit the pavement, it hurt like hell. I felt like I was living a nightmare. Then things went black again. The next thing I remember is hearing a woman's voice. She was kneeling beside me on the side of the road. She said, you're gonna be okay. You're gonna be okay. Then she said, oh somebody help. She was trying to be comforting, but I knew that she was terrified. I wondered what I looked like to her. I know I felt terrible. I felt raw. I felt badly injured. The pain was intense. Then things went black again. Suddenly, I'm in the back of an ambulance. A paramedic was next to me. He was talking to me, but I couldn't hear him at first. He was muffled. You've been in a car accident. We are taking you to the hospital. Then I hear him say, You've been in a car accident. We are taking you to the hospital. Have you had anything to drink or have you taken any drugs? I looked at him and I said, No. I was confused and now a little angry that he was asking me these questions after what I had just experienced. Then he asked, Do you remember what happened? Who caused the accident? I said, No. I didn't have the strength to do much talking. Then things went black again. The next thing I remember is being wheeled into the hospital on a stretcher. I was in excruciating pain. My back was killing me. I begged them to get me off of the hard surface I was lying on. They said I had to be patient, that they had to make sure that my back was okay before they could remove the board. I just stared up at the ceiling and watched the overhead lights above me flying by as I rolled through the hall into the emergency room. Doctors and nurses swarmed around me. They were a well-oiled machine, checking me out from head to toe, stopping the bleeding. They did a lot of tests, scans, and x-rays. It was a surreal experience for me. Time seemed to speed up and slow down. Some moments seemed to play out in slow motion. Other moments flew by. 
It's a strange thing to be a patient in a hospital when your body is not functioning properly. You are there, but not really as an active participant. You watch all these things happening to you. It's a feeling of helplessness. Doctors would eventually tell me that I had kidney and spleen injuries. And because my left leg was leaning against my car door when I was in the accident, my knee and lower leg had deep wounds. Because my left arm was leaning on my car door armrest, my elbow was shattered. In fact, anytime I moved my left arm at all, I experienced excruciating pain. It made me want to vomit. My face had burns, most likely caused by the exploding airbag. My body ached everywhere, with cuts and scrapes scattered about. I was weak. Eventually, I made it out of the ER and was placed in a room. I was monitored and given pain meds through an IV. Glorious pain meds. I felt like a junkie, but I needed them badly. The nurses were my angels. In fact, for the most part, the staff at the hospital was amazing. Anyone that spends time in a hospital as a patient knows that you don't see doctors a lot, but you do get to spend a lot of time with your nurses. They do most of the work, and the good ones are priceless. Although, I did have one really bad experience. Several days into my hospital stay, I was at a low point. I was depressed. I couldn't get comfortable. When you're bedridden, in pain, and on pain meds in a hospital, sometimes you sleep, but most of the time you drift in and out of what I would describe as half-sleep. Sort of a series of restless little naps. You never feel rested, even though you are in bed and barely doing anything. It's hard to explain, but I felt like I was in a haze most of the time. Maybe my body was getting used to the pain meds. Maybe a different drug or higher dose was required this evening to get better quality rest. Somehow the doctor on duty agreed and I was given both. Big mistake. As the sun went down, I fell asleep, but awoke in the middle of the night to the sound of loud chatter. It was like a party was going on. It made my blood boil. I wanted silence. I wanted darkness, but my door was open and bright light was streaming into my room from the hallway. I wanted more sleep, but that was impossible now. From what I could see, a group of nurses were gathered at a nearby nurse's station. They appeared to be celebrating something. I heard their voices going back and forth, followed by loud bursts of laughter. What the f was so funny, I thought. This cycle of sound kept repeating. I put a pillow over my head using my one good arm. It didn't help. I was going insane. I needed to do something. My drugged out, tired brain thought that removing my catheter was a good idea. 
You know, the device that allows you to urinate in your bed? The urine travels through a tube that goes into your bladder through your private part so that it can be collected in a bag at the end of your bed. Yeah, that's the thing I suddenly needed to remove from my body to make the noise stop. I was out of my mind. Each tug of the tube was intense and incredibly painful. But damn, I've gone this far. I've got to keep going. I pulled out another inch of tubing. I pulled a little more. Then a little more. Good God, it hurt. But I removed that damn thing. The intense pain of the tugs were soon replaced by a burning and aching sensation that would take days to go away. Still, the loud noise from the nurses continued. My next bright idea was to get out of my bed. Not easy with my injuries, weak body, and pulverized elbow. Still, I made it to the floor. The nurses spotted me and quickly helped me back into bed. I told them that I couldn't sleep because of all of the noise. They were a little quieter after that, but also very concerned. To them, I was that guy, the troublemaker. Shortly after I was placed back into bed, a member of the hospital staff was assigned to my room to keep an eye on me. It was humiliating. She just sat there in a chair watching me. I watched back until I drifted back to sleep. Luckily, the next morning, in a slightly better frame of mind, I was able to convince the woman in the chair that I would never leave my bed again and that I would better communicate with my nurses. She reminded me that a simple click of a bedside button was the easiest way to get attention. It was one of the most odd and humiliating experiences of my life. I blame it on the drugs. Of course, nurses were not my only companions at the hospital. I would have visitors. My mom was often by my side. I apologized to her on her first visit. I told her that some of the Bruce Springsteen CDs that I borrowed were still in my wrecked car. I didn't think I would ever get them back. She was okay with that. Once, my brother came to visit me. As he entered my room, I could see the look of great concern on his face. I don't think he had ever visited someone in the hospital before that day, and after hearing about my terrible accident, he was really worried. I knew what I had to do. I said, hi. Then after a long pause and a blank look on my face, I said, who are you? He looked devastated. He must have thought I had suffered some serious brain injury and I forgot who he was. Then I burst out laughing. Hi, brother, I said. He laughed too, but I also think that he wanted to slap me. Several days later, the doctors decided it was time to operate on my shattered elbow. They put me under and cut into my arm. I was out for quite a while. Going under is a strange experience. You go from being awake to completely out of it, and then all of a sudden, you are back. It doesn't feel like sleeping. 
where you can account for the time that has passed. When I woke from my surgery, I was groggy, and my left arm really ached. The doctor came in and explained that the surgery required several rods and wires to be implanted into my arm. He showed me an x-ray. It was quite amazing what they did to try to rebuild my elbow. The x-ray before the surgery showed that not much was intact. Areas of my elbow were in pieces. He also mentioned that I may never regain full motion of my arm, even after it heals. That was hard to hear, but having the surgery meant that I reached a milestone and that I was getting ready to be released. That was something to look forward to. The doctors and nurses had saved my life, but I was ready to get the heck out of there. During the day, I was moved from my bed to a chair. The doctors wanted me to sit up and then stand. It took every ounce of my strength to get back up on my feet. I was shaky and couldn't stand long at first. It was humbling. I couldn't believe how hard it was to take a step, but I got stronger each day. Soon, it was time to go home. My mom would take care of me for the next couple of months. I had to continue to build up my stamina. I did laps in the living room. I went from a walker to a cane. I also went to physical therapy each week. Eventually, I could walk on my own. That was a huge accomplishment. Around the same time, I hired a lawyer. We found out some interesting things about the accident. First, the other driver was taken to the hospital the night of the accident like I was, but was immediately released after being examined. He suffered only minor injuries. We also found out that I was tested for alcohol and drugs the night of my accident. The other driver was not. The police officer at the scene of the accident asked him what happened, and he said, like me, that he didn't know. I was out of it right after the accident and rushed in an ambulance to the hospital. So I have a suspicion that the officer originally assumed that I must have caused the accident. Was the other driver lying about not knowing what happened? Possibly, but we'll never know. Luckily, after further examination of the accident scene, by examining tire tracks, skid marks, and the resting places of the vehicles and the damage they suffered, the officer came to the conclusion that the other driver caused the accident, that he had crossed two lanes before coming into my lane and crashing into my car. The other driver also mentioned that night to the officer that he was out at a bar and had a single beer. This is all in the police report. Of course, I was furious that the driver was not tested for alcohol or drugs that evening like I was. The results of my drug and alcohol test were negative, by the way. But I was thankful, however, that the police officer concluded that the accident was the other driver's fault and not mine. Why? Because now his insurance company was responsible for paying my medical bills. Remember at the time I was a freelancer. 
I had no health insurance and my medical bills were astronomical at this point. If I had to pay for the bills on my own, I would have had to declare bankruptcy. My lawyer said that if a rich person had hit me, I would make a lot of money. But since I was struck by a young person that didn't have any wealth, the best thing I could do was settle with his insurance company. The settlement wasn't enough to pay my medical bills or buy me a replacement car, but my lawyer had a plan. He told me that the best thing I could do would be to bargain with all of the medical providers to pay off all of my bills. And that's what we did. For example, if my ambulance bill was $1,500, we would ask if they would accept $500. And they did. It was an insane process. After my lawyer took his cut of the money and all of the bills were bargained down and paid off, there was nothing left. But I was glad to just move on. I was young and wanted to get my life back on track. I remember the first time I got back into the driver's seat of a car. It was terrifying every time a car would speed up behind me or fly by me in the opposite lane. I was scared I was going to get hit again. I may have physically healed, but the mental damage was still there. Luckily, in time, my fear of driving went away. The accident changed my life forever. Physically, I still have the scars that will never go away, and my left arm will never be as good as the right one. But I'm lucky to be alive. No kidney or spleen issues. The accident taught me that life can be fragile and that I'm not invincible. It taught me not to sweat the little things. It also taught me how important family is. Without my mom taking me in, I don't know what I would have done. It taught me to appreciate doctors and nurses, at least the ones not partying in the hallway in the middle of the night. It taught me never to remove a catheter on my own. Words of wisdom to you all. Stay safe. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Please like and subscribe for future episodes. Tell me in the comments section below if you've ever experienced a life-changing event that shook your world. Your world.